now that link has the ability to allow a whole bunch of information. I figure most people might not understand the ways that big companies track them when they click on a link or share a link or the risks associated with clicking on a link that might seem a little bit sketchy. Everything that Grabify currently does and can do, every website on the internet can do this and a lot of them already do this sort of stuff. Hey everyone, my name is Cody Kinsey and I have with me Blair Dobbs from Veronis and this is our new security tools podcast. So we are going to talk about the tools that anybody who's interested in cybersecurity or ethical hacking should know about and the people who make them. So today we're going to get to know Joel, the creator of Grabify, which uses web tracking to track and unmask scammers, catfish, and more. So I also am going to introduce Blair Dobbs, who is a producer from Veronis. Hi, good to be here. Welcome to the new podcast. And Joel, welcome as well. Thank you very much for having me. So first off, Joel, can you tell me a little about yourself and what you created? Yep. So I'm a software and website developer. I sort of do everything. I have created a free service called Grabify, which is an advanced link shortening service. It also gives you a lot more detail on individual clicks that other services don't provide, which helps you unmask potential scammers and other bits and pieces like that. So aside from unmasking scammers and catfish, there's a lot of different applications of web tracking technology. And I figure most people might not understand the ways that big companies track them when they click on a link or share a link or the risks associated with clicking on a link that might seem a little bit sketchy. So today we're also going to dive into some other tools you might have heard of, might not have heard of, that use some web tracking in order to do something that might be a little bit unexpected. And one of my favorites that I came across when I was at, I think it was the RSA conference, as well as writing a guide on using the tool was Canary Tokens. So I don't know if you guys have heard of them, but Canary Tokens use a series of basically links that should never be clicked on under normal circumstances and hide them across all the places where you wouldn't expect an attacker to look as soon as they breach a system. So that could be like an email that has a really juicy subject line that seems to link to a bunch of personal documents or things that could include credit card data. Or it could be even a simple script that's when you start up your computer queries a DNS server, and then you're just kind of monitoring that DNS server and seeing if any requests are uh, being sent to it and then logging maybe the IP address of those requests. So they're pretty simple, but those are just some interesting ways that you can use web tracking to catch an attacker who's in your system or otherwise try to figure out if someone is maybe opening your computer when you don't want them to and exactly when and where it happened. Because you know web tracking isn't all about just trying to sell people stuff. Some of it can also be used for security and on a defensive side, detecting when attackers are breaking in. You guys had a, a second to read the article on Canary Tokens, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So I had a, I had a quick read on that. And it's, it's quite interesting. Grabify can actually do quite a quite a lot of the stuff that canary tokens can do but canary tokens can also do some stuff that Gravify can't do like the dns detection like you were talking about so maybe you set up a whole domain that gets triggered when it gets its dns pulled from it so for instance if you use it in programs or stuff that that doesn't take a traditional web link so maybe you have an RDP server or an SSH server or something like that that you would need to connect to. If a attacker finds this domain name and tries to go to it, it will fetch the DNS record, which then Canary Tokens will grab and say, hey, this has been triggered and send off a notification to the user to let them know that something that should have never been accessed has been accessed. 
Yeah, and that's super interesting because the ability to also you know, maybe have like an image that when it's loaded will cause a call to that DNS server is a pretty simple way of setting up detection. Of course, you're not it's not very proactive. You're, you're kind of assuming the attacker is going to get in. But as like a worst case scenario where someone's already inside your system and you just wouldn't know otherwise, it's a pretty interesting application of some web tracking tools. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an awesome, awesome way of thinking about things because... I mean, you always expect that no one's going to be able to break into your system, that it's always going to be completely locked down. But the thing is, nothing's ever completely secure, no matter what you think about it. There's always potentially ways to get in. Like, what was it? The Intel exploits that people have found, was it late last year? That was actually exploited based on the architecture of the actual CPU. So yes, the computer itself was was secure, but there was an actual fundamental issue with the architecture of the CPU, which means attackers were able to gain access to the system through means of that. So yes, you may have thought your computer was completely secure, but maybe if you had something like a Canary token in there with some DNS records or something set up like that, they would have been able to also detect if users had gained access to their system. It's just, I guess, another security measure just to keep yourself more protected or more aware of if something was to happen. Exactly, exactly. And another uh, interesting use case I think I saw was that you could even track when a mailing list or an email address was compromised by having like a, you know, an email domain that links back to DNS where if it's ever used, you know that somebody got in there and gained access to your mailing list and compromised it and like leaked it somewhere. So interesting applications for monitoring whether your data gets leaked publicly. Interesting applications for whether somebody gets in in the first place. Pretty cool tool. So if you're interested in some free software that allows you to do something on the scale of setting up like honey tokens or honey credentials, which is when you have certain passwords where if they're ever entered means someone's trying to break into the system because a normal user is never going to be entering them. Uh, Canary tokens is a really interesting setup that doesn't cost anything to use. And uh, yeah, they've been, uh, Thinkist, I believe is the company behind that. And they've been really cool about showing me how it works and sharing some interesting stories about how people have been using it. So that's a little bit about Canary tokens, but you mentioned that there's some things that Canary tokens can't do that Grabify can. So also pretty interesting, Grabify was in the New York Times as well as on MTV's Catfish multiple times. Can you tell me a little bit about how that happened? Actually, both of them, I wasn't expecting either to happen. So it was start off with Catfish. So I actually got contacted by one of the producers saying, hey, we've used your website is now shown with like your permission in order to show the name of it and the logo and everything like that. So I was like, Hey, that's pretty cool. So I ended up giving them permission. And then sure enough, once the episode came out, yeah, Gravify was Houston and I was, I was super impressed. I was like, this is crazy. This thing that I started not that long ago is now being used on a, a show like Catfish. I thought that's, that's actually incredible. We're using it at what as the name suggests to catch out Catfish someone who was saying they were one person, but really they were another person. And they were able to catch them out based on the location. They said they were in one location. Once they clicked on the Grabify link that they sent, it showed that no, they weren't in that location. They're actually in this different location. And they've actually used it a few times now to help them figure out if these people are really catfish. So can you just paint a brief scenario of what that looks like? How would how would someone be in a scenario where they would need to use this tool? And, and what it w- would it reveal? Yeah, so say for instance you're selling something online or someone's trying to sell you something online, but the deal seems maybe a bit too good to be true. Uh, But yeah, you're not quite sure about it, but they say they're maybe in your city or something like that. And they're selling this phone for X amount of dollars. 
and you go, mm, that doesn't quite sound right. So you play along with them. You send them a Grabify link to click on. For people who haven't seen it yet, a Grabify link is uh, like a URL shortener, kind of like a, a bit.ly URL or something like that. Exactly. So you put in any link, it could be a long link. It will then shorten it to a smaller link. But also now that link has the ability to log a whole bunch of information, which we'll get into very shortly at what it can log. So basically, while you're talking to this person that you're unsure about, you would enter in a link to maybe an article or another product or their product, and you'd say, hey, um, is this the product you're talking about or, or something like that, which will entice them to go and click on the link. So just some cover story. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So once they click on the link, they go, oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You go, okay, cool. Then you go to your Grabify logs and you can actually have a look at the logs. So they were saying that, yes, they're in your city, but you have a look. And then it says that they are in India or China or something like that. And you go, okay, no, this this isn't this isn't real. This is a scam because you're saying that you're in my city, but you're not even in my city. You're not even in my country. So how could this possibly be true? So yeah, Grabify gives you the ability to have a look and see if someone is truly who they say they are or truly doing what they say they are doing. So if, if you had like a, a scammer that's pretty dedicated to what they're doing, would they have some means of, of counteracting this by like spoofing where their, their clicks are coming from? Uh, yes. So they could potentially turn on VPN or something along those lines which would hide what city and country they're from because it changes their IP address. But Grabify has some built-in features that can actually detect VPNs and Tor nodes, and it will alert you saying, hey, the location and the IP we got here may not be this person's real IP and location purely because they have turned on a VPN. And I guess that in and of itself is going to be fairly suspicious. I mean, if you're if you're just dealing with a normal person trying to sell you something, why are they using a VPN to communicate with you? Exactly, exactly. But Grabify also has some other features which can help probably reveal where they where they potentially are. So first off, we'll just go through the list of features that Grabify can currently log, just to give you guys an idea. So they can log the IP address, the country, the city. So wait, one thing is when you talk about IP address, do you mean the external IP address, like the like where their router is located or the internal IP address? It actually can log both IP addresses. So the main one it logs is, yeah, the external IP address. So yeah, we've got the IP address, country, city, battery percentage. So if they're on a mobile device, you can see what the percentage of the battery is the state of whether they are currently charging their device or not, the orientation of their device, so if it's in landscape or portrait, the connection type, so if they're on a mobile data connection or if they're on a Wi-Fi connection. We can then log their time zone, the language that their browser is set to. We can also detect whether they are in an incognito window or a private window. We also have the ability to log whether they are using an ad blocker. You can see their screen size. We can also detect their local IP address, which is what you were just talking about before. So that might give you an indication of whether or not they were on like a, a public network, like a school network, or if they were on a, a local, like a home network based on the IP range you see, because a, a very large, like a, a school or a corporate network would have a very different looking IP range than like a small home network. Yeah, that's correct. You can start making assumptions with all this data to say, well, you know, a, a normal home network would be 192.168.1.x. And that would be your typical generic home network, take your router out of the box, set it up. That's normally the IP range that you would be assigned. But something like a corporate or a school or some, some network like that, 
may be slightly different. And that sort of gives you the idea that, hey, they may not be on a home network, they could be on some corporate or school network. And then just continuing with this list, just to finish finish it off, we can detect the browser operating system. So Windows 10, Mac, uh, Android, all that sort of stuff. We can detect if it's a mobile device, we can detect the device name. So maybe they're on an iPhone 10, maybe they're on a OnePlus 7, a Samsung device. We can then detect any referring URLs. So say if you posted a link on a forum and someone clicked it from there, you'll be able to see that the link was clicked from that forum post. We can also see the ISP, so Verizon, AT&T, that sort of thing. Then we've also got the VPN detection and the Tor detection, which will let you know if they have a VPN turned on. And that's it's a complete list at the moment. So one thing I wanted to mention was with ISP, there's a number of other ways you can get this, but I've always been interested in how, you know, like SIM swapping attacks are in the news. If you get somebody to click on a Grabify link with their mobile connection with their phone using their mobile data without a VPN, then you can immediately see who you would need to call in order to get in touch with that person's account, which is very interesting. That's, that's, that's totally correct. I haven't actually thought about it in that way before, but yes, if, they, if there was a malicious actor, they could actually get them to click on a link and you could see their ISP and especially if you had the smart logger feature turned on you would also be able to see whether their connection type is a Wi-Fi connection or a mobile data connection because that gives you more of an idea of whether they are actually on their mobile plan so their their provider is actually AT&T or maybe they've got a well forgive me because I'm not actually from the US so I don't know all the um, ISPs over there but maybe they're on a Verizon home network and then an AT&T mobile network so Using the connection type detection, it will actually be able to tell you what one they're currently on. So that's pretty overwhelming. I mean, if you throw on a VPN and maybe use a browser extension, you can you can hide your geolocation a little bit. You can hide your external IP address. But this is a laundry list of other details that could uniquely identify your device against other devices and track you from web page to web page or, or really like across any defenses you might try to put up to hide who you were. If you're switching VPNs and being really sneaky, you could still be plugged into a wall and slowly charging, which means that you would be still able to be tracked because you would be the guy whose phone is increasing at a predictable rate, you know, using a mobile connection or something like that. And some of these other details, like your the language of your keyboard, the, your time zone, would all start to kind of build a picture of where you were. Because even if you, you know, if you don't get any of this other information, the time zone and the keyboard language really starts to narrow it down in, in terms of where it could be once you get more more specific and start looking at, you know, geolocation, like where is this coming from, even if the if we can't trust it because it's coming through like a Tor node or something like that. that that's completely correct because especially, yeah, VPNs, they're, they're good at hiding your IP address, hiding your location, but they don't stop the browser from letting the website know that your language or your time zone is set to whatever you're currently set to. So if you're set to Australia or something like that, with an English keyboard, you can say, okay, their VPN says they're currently in the USA, but their language is currently set to Australian English and the keyboard is set to an Australian layout or something like that. So you can say, oh, and also, sorry, their time zone is set to an Australian time zone. So from that, you can go, okay. The VPN detection is turned on, so obviously they're not in the location it says they're in. But looking at this other information, we can make a pretty well-estimated judgment that they are most likely from Australia or or something along those lines. Yeah, it it makes me wonder, 
I mean, the use case we're talking about here, it's it's the good actor is using Grabify to make sure they're not getting scammed by the bad actor. But then in doing that, you still have to sort of induce someone to click a link that's doing more than you're telling them it's doing. And so I'm wondering, you know, like, does that run afoul of any kind of anti-hacking laws in places that have more stringent controls? Well, for, for example, for let's say the EU with the GDPR laws that have just come into place, Grabify respects all those laws. So if you're within the EU, it will actually pop up with a message saying that you have to agree to the terms of services before you get redirected, which lets them know everything that gets logged. So say if if you're you're a bad actor and you're targeting someone over there, then they can actually read up on this information and go, and no, I'm not going to click on this. Or yes, I'm perfectly fine with clicking on this because it's just a normal link sort of thing. Do you think that the amount of warnings people get now with GDPR, just uh, letting them know what kind of data is being stored, just to fundamentally do what companies do is just making people not even pay attention to these warnings anymore? I don't know, potentially. I, I guess it depends who you are and how tech savvy you are and how often you see these warnings. I mean, one thing to note is everything that Grabify currently does and can do, every website on the internet can do this, and a lot of them already do this sort of stuff. It's nothing here that we've done is actually new technology necessarily. We just put it in a way that it's easy for the consumer to use and see. Every other website has the ability to do everything that I'm currently doing here. So one of the things I guess that makes Grabify so unique is that you're taking that power that pretty much, as you said, every website that people, normal people visit has the power to use against them and kind of putting it in the hands of anybody who wants to use it so they can understand this power and see how it's being used. Um, Can you explain how this actually works? Because it seems like a ton of data that your phone or your laptop are giving up just to use a website. And the ability to be tracked by someone who might not be friendly is also, you know, obviously a, a concern when you're trying to to, you know, be responsible and hide any data you don't need to be leaking, maybe use a VPN. So uh, these sounds like VPN busting techniques. But in fact, this is just kind of the way the internet works. Like maybe you could explain a little bit about, you know, why you're able to gather this much data um, from a simple click of a link. Yeah. So fundamentally, how the internet works, it it relies on IP addresses. So if you go to a website like google.com, what your browser is doing is it does a DNS lookup of the domain google.com and actually returns back an IP address. And now what your browser does is your browser then connects to that IP address. Your browser also has its own external IP address, which is based on the network you're currently on. And in order for Google's server to understand this request, it needs to be coming from another IP address. So basically, it's peer-to-peer. So you're getting the information from Google, and then Google's getting information from you, say, if you're logging in or something along those lines. You're able to see the IP address. So that's, that's basically how we're able to see an IP address. There's also a bunch of other information that is passed through on that initial load. So there's stuff like the user agent of the browser, which contains information like the browser, the operating system they're using. Um, If they're on a mobile device, it can contain the device name, that maybe the version of the operating system they're on or the version of the device. And that information is sent out to every single website, no matter what the website is. It's it's fundamentally how browsers work. It's also how, say, if you you created a plugin for multiple web browsers, an extension. If you went to the creator's website, it might say pop up with a button saying "click here to add to Chrome," and then if you go into Firefox, it says "click here to add to Firefox." They're able to detect what browser you're using based off that user agent, which tells 
the server, hey, I'm using Chrome or I'm using Firefox or I'm using Opera. That way, the browser is able to react and display the correct message for for your browser. And that's, again, how Gravify gets that sort of information. We're able to grab that user agent, parse it out, and see the details within it. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the typical scenario where you've got security and privacy and then convenience. And that's right. And ease of use. And, and there's so, you go in one direction or the other. So I wonder, you know, if this, it sounds like, yeah, I mean, like, I would like my browser to know which version of the plugin I want to have, but I also like privacy. So, like, are, is this something that's, it's, is it in the HTML spec? Or is it individual browser makers have all collectively made the same decision? Or, like, is this something that, that might change in the future where people find out about this and say, hey, I don't want my browser to, to send all this information. Give me a button that turns it off. Yeah, so a lot of it is within browser spec. There's a lot of browsers that, do provide some information and a lot of browsers that don't. So this is actually, I'm pretty sure this is within the HTTP spec, this sort of information we're talking about. But if we get into something a bit more detailed, like the battery and battery percentage, that is actually on a browser by browser basis. Some browsers do include that, some browsers don't. All the iOS devices, they don't have that information available, so you can't actually log the battery percentage. But something like an Android device or a Windows computer, that does have the information available, but again, it's based on browsers. Some browsers won't disclose that information, some browsers will. At the end of the day, that sort of information is down to the browser manufacturer and what they're comfortable with using. And this sort of information, it changes all the time. There's always discussions going on online and they're either adding in new features or removing these features out because they don't like the way they're being used. So yeah, at the end of the day, with that sort of stuff, it comes down to the browser manufacturer. I would also point out, you can spoof this information. It's not hard-coded in in any way, shape, or form. So some things that I've studied are also using browser extensions to spoof your geolocation, spoof your user agent. Because sometimes I'll be reading an article and I'll get hit with a paywall and I'll just spoof my user agent to like an iPod from like the early 2000s. And it's like, oh my God, how are you visiting this website? And it just serves me the most basic version it possibly has. And there's no ads. And it's great. Yeah, that, that's right. So the, there's plenty there's plenty of um, browser plugins out there that do spoof this information to hide it because you may be privacy focused. So you might not want this information going out there. You can simply install these browser plugins and it will stop it. There's also dedicated browsers that just have this stuff built in. And I think, Cody, you're telling me there was a OS out there that had this built in to the actual operating system. Is that was that correct? Yeah, so there was one Buscador OS uh, that's meant for OSINT investigations that I really like because it has a lot of privacy tools built in. And it has, uh, for example, a bunch of different user agent spoofing uh, tools that come standard in the browsers. And I, uh, Mike Vazell is the one that does it. Um, he's excellent at kind of or- organizing privacy tools. So as a virtual machine that you can just spin up and use, uh, I highly recommend it for the amount of different tools it just includes. And also the great books that Mike has along with it to kind of describe what you need to do in order to set them all up and defeat kind of the tracking that we're talking about. There's plenty of ways out there that you can you can prevent this sort of tracking. Probably the biggest and easiest one is just turning on a VPN. That at least stops the location tracking and the IP tracking and protects you online a lot more than any of the other sort of stuff we're talking about here. And again, the best case scenario is combining all these sort of things together, the plugins, the VPN and all of that. And it will hide pretty much 
let's say, 95% of the information that's logged here. There's some stuff that possibly can be spoofed, but to my knowledge, I don't know of a way to do it, but there would be some ways around that. I'm pretty sure, actually, the OS you're talking about is able to spoof most of that information as well. Just So if, if you wanted, if you're into installing custom dis, uh, Linux distributions or running virtual machines, then that could be a way to go. Just fire up one of those and then you don't have to worry about installing plugins and VPNs and everything. It just it just works. But yeah. Yeah, and if you want to check that out, it's on in- inteltechniques.com. Cool. So one other kind of just interesting feature I wanted to mention that we figured out while we were preparing for the show is that some devices like the MacBook Pro have very specific GPUs that can narrow down to a specific generation. So we just did a quick test of uh, the feature where you're actually able to detect the GPU that a device is running. And this is, of course, to, as you said, make sure to deliver the, the most relevant version of whatever content the server has to whoever's clicking on it. But it gives us the ability, at least in the instance of a a MacBook or like an Apple product, to specifically narrow down the generation that it is. So if there's a vulnerability with it, or if we just need to verify that a specific person with a a known MacBook is clicking on that link, then we can use the graphic card information to actually figure that out, which is pretty wild. Yeah, so I mean, this will be a new feature coming into uh, Grabify very soon, which is, yeah, GPU detection. So... Like you're saying, Cody, we're able to t- detect what GPU you're running. So say if you're running a Windows computer where, and you've got a GTX 1070 in there or something like that, we're actually able to detect that. But then, yeah, going into what you're saying, if you're a MacBook and you've got maybe a SKU that was only available to Apple products, we're actually able to detect that. And then we can do a reverse lookup to say what devices came with this GPU and, and you can go, okay, it's uh, this specific version of this MacBook or this Mac Pro or something like that. And then we'll be able to go, okay, so then the person that clicked your link is actually using this specific device here. So you also mentioned something about on Android that the GPU and CPU are integrated. So you can pull a little bit more information off of a mobile device than you could off of even just a desktop or a laptop. Yeah, since you're able to get the GPU, say, for instance, we get an Adreno 640 GPU, we're actually able to then do a lookup and go, what CPUs did this GPU come in? If we look that up, we're able to see it came in a Snapdragon 855 and the 855 Plus, which is just a bin version of the 855. So from there, we're actually able to say, this is the GPU, and this is actually the CPU that was used within this device that clicked on the link, which it's, it's crazy to think about this, the amount of information that you're able to gather from a single click of a link. And just keep in mind, again, any website on the internet can do this. Any website you visit, this information can be logged. And it seems like with with that level of detail that you're narrowing down, you know, what's otherwise potentially large, you know, space quite a bit. So because there's only going to be so many devices that have these unique configurations, and then you combine that with all this other information, it seems like yeah, it would be pretty easy to to say, all right, this is person A, and now I can see over here, this is still person A because nobody else would have this unique combination of of all of this metadata. That's totally correct. There's a there's a good website out there called miunique.org. If you go to that, it will tell you whether your device configuration is unique and whether you can be tracked. This is actually using a bunch of a bunch of information to create your browser fingerprint. So if you were to go to it, it actually says, okay, so it looks at your user agent and it goes, less than 0.1% of people use this user agent. Maybe it looks at your content encoding and says 62% of the people use this content encoding. And it goes down the list of what looks to be maybe a hundred odd items. I'm just 
taking a random guess here, 100 odd items, and it combines these all together to check whether you are unique. And it tells you at the top that, uh, yes, you are unique, you can be tracked, or maybe if you're using a bunch of generic stuff, so maybe you're in the States, you're using Chrome, no plugins installed, everything's default um, on a very common laptop or something like that, maybe a Mac, then you'll be less likely to be able to be tracked because there will be other people with the same exact setup as you. But if you've got, say, a custom-built computer or you're in a country, a smaller country or, or something along those lines, if any of these variables are changed or make you more unique, then it's easier for websites to track you and track where where you've been from site to site if they were to be able to transfer this data between each other sort of thing. And correct me if I'm wrong, they, they can track you even if you were doing all this browsing in, in incognito or, or taking some other, you know, like you didn't have cookies enabled, they'd still be able to track you. Yeah, that that's totally correct. Because a lot of this information can be narrowed down to, like I said, um, all, all these other things like the user agent, the fetch type, the language, the do not track, all this other information can be used to detect if this is the same user or not, regardless of the session or the cookies or anything like that, which means if they're in a private window or if they're in their normal window, we're still able to detect if this is the same person or not. So you mentioned when we were talking earlier that it's not just the New York Times that got wind of your tool. You had to adjust some stuff because Nation State took notice of Grabify as well this year, didn't you? Oh, yes, that's right. So kind of a funny story how this happened. So the website link, in case you don't know yet, is grabify.link. I'm using a system called Cloudflare, which runs behind Grabify to protect it from any sort of malicious attacks that it may face. And that service has a bunch of different websites under one IP address. So I noticed that I was getting messages from my Egyptian users saying, hey, is your website down? I can't access it. I'm thinking, this is odd. I turn on a VPN and browse to my website from Egypt. And yeah, sure enough, the website didn't load. And I'm thinking, this is really weird. I did a bit more investigation and I actually noticed that the IP address was banned in Egypt. So I thought, this is really odd. What's going on here? So I um, I contacted Cloudflare. I got switched on to a new IP address and tried again from my Egyptian VPN. And yep, sure enough, it's up and it's working. So I was like, oh, that's cool. That's really weird. So I just assumed maybe there was someone that was hosting um, hateful content towards Egypt or something like that that just happened to be on this shared IP address. So I didn't really think much of it. Then I tried to load the website again about 10 minutes later, and uh, yeah, it was blocked again. So I thought, (laughs) what's going on here? I tried to reach out to a few um, ISPs in Egypt and just silence, didn't hear anything back from any of them. So what I've actually assumed has gone on here is that since this is a link shortening website, someone's shortened a link to maybe some hateful content or something like that in the past. And then the government just picked up the, the original link and not the redirected link and just said, yes, this is the website, banned the entire thing. So this is what I'm assuming because I haven't had any contact from anyone with this. So there's no way for me to know for sure. But that's why I think the website is banned. We get very similar things with um, takedown notices for 
phishing um, phishing sites. So if someone created a phishing site and then they use Grabify to redirect a user there, we also get hit with a takedown to take that link down. And then we explain to them, we take the link down and we explain to them, yeah, this is not the final link. This is, we're just a web website shortener that someone has used to create this link. And we actually have a system on board where a lot of these companies, takedown companies can actually automate this takedown of these links to make their job easier. But anyway, yeah, so Grabify was banned in Egypt. So we thought, <laughs> how can we get it? How can we get around this? So we ended up creating another domain name for Grabify, which is Grabify.world, which is currently unbanned in Egypt. So um, <laughs> that's how our Egyptian users can continue using our website. Uh, they just have to go to Grabify.world instead of Grabify.link. <laughs> Well, that's very clever, and congratulations on getting so much attention. Yeah, man, I have no idea where that came from. It's just sort of all out of the blue. So, all right, then, if we have all these ways of being tracked, what would you recommend for people to do if they want to avoid being tracked and prevent companies from being able to see when they're going from website to website or even you know, what phone or different device they're using? As we sort of touched on before, the biggest thing I'd recommend is a simple VPN. This can make the biggest difference with all this sort of information and hide maybe the most critical information that you could be worried about, such as your IP address, which then from lookups, you can also grab the country and city. Then there's also the browser add-ons that we talked about to change or hide some of that other information, like a better percentage, time zone, language, a bunch of that sort of information. Other than that... Yeah, that, that's sort of the main tools, the main items that I would use in order to hide my information online. Okay. All right. Well, I have a little challenge that I want to try. I want to just try to use a couple different tools to obfuscate the system that I'm using. And I want to invite uh, Blair to do this as well. See if you have a VPN or if you have a, a browser extension, maybe take a minute or so. And Joel, if you could serve up a Grabify link. I want to try to click on this link and see how far we can go in hiding the system we're using and how accurate the results are. All right, no, that sounds good. All right, two clicks. There you All go. Right. Tell okay. me, tell me who's who. Let's see have a look at this information. All right, let's start with uh, Blair. Okay, so I can see your click in here. You're currently on a Mac with your. Is it a laptop? No. No, it's not. It's a desktop. Okay. So you're on a desktop. You're currently in New York. Mm, no. Nope. Washington. Yes. Washington. Your time zone is set to New York. Your country is United States, Washington. You got your desktop and landscape orientation. Hopefully, as I do. Yep. It's not often <laughs> you get a desktop with a um, with a different orientation, but people do. You'd do know it. that guy, though. You would know that guy. You would be the programmer. He likes to have the long view. You're not using a private window? No. And you're not using an ad blocker? Uh, I thought I was. No, I guess I'm not. Okay. So the reason why this potentially may have picked it up wrong, because if you go to Grabify and you disabled your ad blocker, then it won't pick it up. But if you are actually just using an ad blocker and you haven't gone to Grabify before, then it will be able to pick it up. Um, oh, yeah. I've got uh, uBlock Origin. I just I had hit, hidden the uh, icon, so I forgot about it. Ah, yes. All right. So you're running Chrome version 77. Your Mac operating system is 10.13.6. Exactly. Your ISP is Verizon. Yep. And I can see that you click this link from within Squadcast. 
Oh, cool. Oh, so you got the referral link too. Yeah, I got the referral link. So this is, and of course, I've got your IP address up here, which I won't read out. But (laughs) I've got all this information from within the single click that you did. Did my uh, my graphics card come through? Uh, That part isn't actually incorporated into Grabify yet. That will be coming up in in your updates. Oh, although it is a link in our uh, podcast. So while it's not public yet, you could click on the uh, link that... I'll just send it again. Yeah. If you just click on that link, um, tell me what uh, GPU it says. Uh, NVIDIA GeForce GTX 980. That's correct. There we go. So we'd be able to pick up that information as well. Currently, that's not in Grabify, but it will be in the coming days. So yeah, that's another thing that we're able to pick up from there. So that would be all the information that we've logged from you. All right. All right. Now me. Let's (laughs) have a look at Cody. All right. The first one you've clicked on was from a Tor exit node. Yes. So you're using Tor. Yes. Yes. The detection popped up and said, this is a Tor exit node. So don't trust me. Yeah. So the country is the Netherlands, which obviously isn't correct because you're using a Tor exit node. (laughs) We're able to pick up that you are using your device in landscape which makes sense. But your time zone has been obfuscated because it Mm. says your UTC time, which... Excellent. Thank you, Tor Browser. Which is incorrect. Although the language we've picked up is English US, Mm. Mm. which the only thing with that, though, is it is reasonably common. So it would be we could pick it up if if you were someone who wasn't from a native English-speaking country, then it would be more obvious. But because you are, it's... It more blends in with the more generic information. Mm. We're able to detect that it is a private or incognito window, but that's purely because it is a Tor browser. So I'll pick that up. You were not using an ad blocker, and Tor was running within Firefox 5.2, and it detected that you were on Windows 7. Yeah, no, that's not true, but yeah. Which is obfuscated because, well, we shouldn't say (laughs) obfuscated because it's readable. It's been spoofed. The correct word is spoofed. And the ISP is onlineS.a.s, online SAS. So sketchy. pretty much every information, every bit of information that we logged here from your Tor click is incorrect because it's been spoofed. That's not true. There is one piece of information that's true, and that's that I am using an old version of the Tor browser. The Firefox version is slightly out of date. I believe that it's actually accurately reporting that. And I did get a warning. So that is one thing that would uniquely identify me versus other users who are using Tor. And that's why I have that big update button saying update. It's because now I'm lumped in with all the users who haven't updated Tor. So I did it almost a good job, but still I messed up on that. So that was that was really good. You pretty much had all the information that was available. So then we can have a look at your second clip. So here it says that you're currently on a VPN yep. from this click, and the VPN is set to LA. What? It says it says that your VPN's uh, location. Oh, it is. It is. LA. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It changed back. I have it set to default. I was I was hoping to be in Las Vegas, but. <laughs> We got your orientation um, as landscape again. Mm-hmm. This time, your time zone is set to UTC. Good. Which I think was the same as the other one. And again, browser language is English US. You're not using an ad blocker. We're able to pick up your local IP, which is 10.0.2.15, which is most likely the IP for your VPN, your local IP for your VPN. That's right. You're using Chrome version 9.0. whatever. So that's most nope. likely spoofed. Yep, that's spoofed. Because that is super old. 
And it says that you are using Windows XP. Yes, my favorite operating system of all time. <laughs> yes, so you did also a really good job here with spoofing this information. So what I did in both of these cases was I created a virtual machine, which crashed, but uh, I created a virtual machine, and uh, using Buscador OS, I used the Tor browser to do the first request, and I used a Firefox browser that I installed a user agent switcher plugin to basically pretend to be a very, very, very old Windows computer. Which is very interesting. So I guess if you want to protect from something like Grabify Link or any other website, there's a few ways you could do this. You could either completely remove the information. Now, the downside to this is a lot of websites, say if you're using Recapture or something like this, they see that and they go, oh, something fishy is going on here. So they're more likely to show you the recapture in order to complete it. Mm -hmm. Same sort of thing if you put in an older computer like Windows XP here and Chrome 9. What I would potentially do is I would spoof this information to be maybe the latest browser, but a different browser that I'm actually using. That way, when these things like recapture and stuff are reading this information to see if you're a bot or not, it finds real information, so it's less likely to show you one of these things to fill out. But it's still not giving out your real information that you've got here. So you could turn on a VPN and spoof your browser information to say that you're on a, a Windows 10 desktop using Firefox or Opera or Chrome, but really you're using a different browser. So that way, the information that they gather is incorrect from your real information, but it's less likely to pick you up as a bot or some suspicious activity because it is still real information. Yeah, I would also mention before I go about recommending people continually spoof their their user agent string, we, we were talking about how this is how the internet works. So this will substantially, in some cases, degrade your internet experience by forcing you to re-log in or triggering because it's going to look like, you know, like people from all over the world are logging into your accounts and stuff like that. So, you know, from the perspective of a company that's managing your account, seeing all these logins would be super alarming. So getting CAPTCHAs and two-factor login requests and something is just going to be kind of a, a thing that happens if you start to obfuscate these details more or start, you know, just making them look like they're, they're a bunch of different logins from different countries, for example. Because like we said before, it's a bit of a bit of a trade-off. I think, was it Blair, you were saying this, where it's you can either have privacy but then everything sort of gets slowed down because you get picked up as bots and this and that and you have to get forced to log back in again. Or you can have the ease of use where everything sort of just works, but then you're not so privacy focused anymore and information can be tracked. Yep. And then even if you got excited about hiding your tracks and, and using all these tools, then if you got lazy and you didn't change it each time, you could still be tracked with your spoofed information if it was the same spoofed information every time. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you've got to be constantly changing this information because otherwise it's as good as using your real information, even though it's not real, but you're just using it all the time. So, well, we know now that, yeah, you're still the same person. You have to live your life like someone from a John le Carre novel and just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and one thing I'll point out as like kind of an advanced feature, and this is also in uh, Mike Bazal's books, is um, if you want to mitigate leaks from your operating system, like your language, your time zone, you use a virtual machine. You know, like uh, if you're opening a browser window in a virtual machine and you op 
those gave the details in the virtual machine. And that's why I did it. It's because I, I knew about that technique. But sneaky people that I know use a virtual machine with a browser in it to hide all these details. And you know, you can even pop up a virtual machine that is, you know, the, the device that you're pretending that it is to just make it that much more legitimate and prevent any small inconsistencies from flagging it as looking at, like something suspicious and ranking higher on the uniqueness scale of being able to be uh, zeroed in on as a, a specific configuration. Just maybe not VirtualBox <laughs> with the specific setup because uh, it keeps crashing. But uh, with an updated version of VirtualBox and Biscuit OS, OS um, I recommend that as a start. To, maybe if you guys want to check it out, go to uh, Grabify and and start clicking on links with different configurations and see how different you can get it from your actual setup. See if you can get the graphics card to look different. See if you can get all these different details to not lead back to your real configuration. It's a great kind of exercise in seeing what kind of data is being leaked by the hardware you have, the software you're using, and then maybe try to reduce it a little bit so that you're not putting as much out there when you don't need to. And also a thing to note is all the tools and stuff we've been talking about here are completely free to use. The OS you're talking about, VirtualBox, that's completely free. Gravify is free. You can find VPNs out there that are also free to use. And I think Opera has one built into the browser. And I'm not sure about Firefox. I think they're potentially coming out with an update for a free VPN. But I know for a fact that uh, Opera has one built in. So there's no reason not to go out and try this sort of stuff because it's not going to cost you anything. Awesome. Cool. Well, that's kind of coming up on our time, but I wanted to thank you for coming on for our first podcast. And also, can you tell us a little bit about how we would be able to keep up with you, submit some feedback, maybe keep up with your uh, future projects? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is jlinks underscore darkness. There'll be a link in the show notes. You can check out my website, gravify.link, and also my personal website, which is jlinks.net. And also, thank you, Blair, for joining us. I imagine if people want to see your work, they can check out anything on Verona, since you do our uh, media production. Yes, and uh, you will hear me. I am the voice of Verona's. <laughs> That's a powerful title. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, if you guys have any thoughts or feedback for uh, future episodes, I would love to hear from you. You can hit me up on Twitter at Cody Kinsey. And thank you so much for being with us on the first Verona Security Tools podcast. We will see you next time.